What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode, another week of Locked On Vikings. I am your host, I am your pal, I'm the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL, and you can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can also find the show by just asking your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On Vikings, and that works for any Locked On show. I know y'all are going to be interested in Locked On Draft and Locked On NFL, of course, the flagship show. Ask your smart speaker, and they can just play it for you. But we have a whole bunch to get to. We have a, a very fun guest today. Uh, The QB Annual, which is an annual publication from Pro Football Focus where they give you some of the coolest accuracy charting and, like, in-depth data on quarterbacks that you can find out there. Uh, It's really unique. Nobody else does anything close to this in terms of just, like, its level of detail and how the information is actually designed to be useful instead of just, like, counting things. It's amazing. And uh, Eric Eager is one of the authors of the document. He is going to come on and talk about it. Uh, so we do have a little bit of news to get to, and then we will get to that. So first, a, a little housekeeping element. Uh, if you remember last week, we talked about the pain bracket. That is underway. Uh, I am posting it right now, the first round. Uh, so go to my Twitter, at NFL and vote in that. Uh, the voting will be open until the time of night that I record tomorrow's episode. Uh, so you should be able to get it uh, as long as you get to it before it is too late uh, on Monday night. Um, so go vote in that, and we're going to do one every episode. Today's matchup, uh, I just, I'm going to talk about it real quick because I, I think it's just fun to reminisce about all the horrible things that have happened to this franchise. Uh, we're kicking it off with a bang, the worst trade maybe in the history of the NFL, the Herschel Walker trade. Uh, the Vikings gave up this King's ransom of draft picks for an aging past his prime running back that they got like one good season out of, traded, uh, the Cowboys, a bunch of draft picks that turned into a dynasty for them. Uh, is going up against the 2000 NFC Championship game, the old 41 donut uh, getting lit up by Kerry Collins and Joe Juravicious, putting an end to what ended up being the kind of final uh, good season from the Carter Moss duo, and really like just guaranteeing that like the Carter Moss thing would always be a footnote in NFL history uh, instead of a headline. So the question is, which one hurts most to think about? Uh, and, and I word it that way because I think that's a nice generic way to say, you know, it's not the one that hurt the franchise most. It's not the one that, you know, set up the highest expectations with the biggest disappointment or anything like that. Like, you can choose your own parameters. It's which one just makes you feel more pain. It's a pain bracket. So go to my Twitter. I will have all of the, the polls pinned and all that. Uh, so you can, like, find it from my pinned tweet. It'll be a thread. And, uh, and go vote on that. So there's also some Vikings news. Uh, nothing really huge. There's still, like, more rumors that Rick Dennison is going to be the offensive line coach. At this point, I'm waiting for the official announcement before we really go too deep into it. Although we did talk to him a little bit in the Gary Kubiak episode. So if you want to, like, go dig back into that to kind of get a quick primer on him. Uh, basically, he's just, like, the zone run guy. And he's probably the best scheme fit out there in terms of offensive line coaches. Uh, but we also had an interesting quote from Anthony Barr. Obviously, his contract is going to be up. Uh, Uh, I believe March 3rd is the day, and he is going to hit free agency. So if the Vikings don't get him extended, that means 31 other teams are going to be able to come in and start bidding against us and driving up Anthony Barr's price, making it, you know, that much less likely that he ends up re-signing with the Vikings. So he's been asked about this a ton, and his message has been the same the whole time. It's been two things. A, I want to be back. I want to come back to the Vikings. I like it here. I want to be back. And B, there's a lot of options. So I think whether or not you want Barr back, 
I think there's something in there for you, right? Because him saying he wants to be back, that's great, right? Like, oh, good, he wants to be back. You know, he's going to be, like, do negotiations in good faith and all that. He, he's not going to, like, sit there and say, no, 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 I want the market to, like, I want to make as much money as possible. He has mentioned that, like, hey, I got to do what is best for me. Um, but it hasn't been, you know, like some of the other players around the league or even some of the other players with the Vikings that have been like, no, I'm going to test free agency and, and, you know, I have no loyalty to this team. You can tell that, like, the Vikings get a discount, right, because he wants to be here. But on the other hand, he's saying, listen, my options are open, and I understand that it's a business. And, and to me, that sounds like he understands the Vikings cap situation and that, hey, they might choose to, like, extend Trey Waynes and extend Sheldon Richardson and then I'll be left out in the cold. I get it. And so I think it's a really mature way of going about it. Um, but with these quotes, these player quotes, and you're going to hear a whole bunch of this stuff as free agency goes on, you know, they're coached to talk a certain way about it. So I, I think you have to sift through like, okay, what things does he say that everyone says, right? Like, I understand it's a business. Everyone says that. So we can't really glean any meaning from it because there's nobody who wouldn't say it, right? There's, there's no point to differentiate. So the Pro Bowl was yesterday, Sunday. Uh, I am not going to talk about it very much. I don't think there's really much we can glean as Vikings fans from it other than it was kind of fun, you know, to watch that basically an exhibition game. The skill, the skills challenge was a blast too. Uh, but we are going to skip that for this episode. Uh, the, the interview with Eric went a little bit longer uh, than segments two and three usually go on this show. So I'm actually going to cut it now. Uh, go to the first ad break, and then when we come back, we will have Eric Eager. We're going to talk about the QB annual, and we're going to talk really in-depth about Kirk Cousins. So I am super excited to share that with you all, uh, and I will see you in a minute. And we are back. We are here with Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus here to talk about the QB annual. Eric, how's it going? Very good, Luke. I love that you uh, now have the reins of this show. It's great. Thank you very much. appreciate it. So I want to jump right in with uh, the QB annual and talk a little bit about just the methodology and how it all comes to be. So can you just describe the process a little bit so the listeners who aren't familiar can kind of know like where all this data comes from? Yeah, so a lot of this owes uh, some credit to uh, Steve Palazzolo. He was the one who, you know, came up with the idea of, you know, charting accuracy more finely grained. And then uh, a couple people. So Zach Robinson's a former NFL quarterback. Uh, he's probably the brightest football person that I know. And he he goes through and writes up all of the uh, the content here. He watches literally every single throw every quarterback makes. Uh, so that's like where you get that in-depth thing. Uh, George Shahuri, um, along with doing a lot of the data science with me, is very good at these these visuals. And then uh, what my, my role has been has been looking at uh, sort of what kind of information we can glean from these things. So what, what, what does how well a quarterback does from a clean pocket tell you uh, versus how well he does from a a muddy pocket or play action versus non-play action. So it's really a a big team effort. And obviously our guys, you know, untold number of people grade the games, but then uh, I think the QB annual sort of uh, spawned uh, a couple of years ago as an idea and, and and it's all come together here. Uh, You know, so, a lot of it is just to give you one example. We we grade quarterbacks on a scale from negative two to two at increments of 0.5. Um, and what we are seeing a lot of, we are seeing a lot of zeros that were could be differentiated even further. So, for example, zero graded are expected throws. So a throw, you know, where you know, for example, Kirk Cousins hits a five yard out on third and five. Um, if the ball is out in front of the uh, uh, ball is out in front of the receiver, he might be able to turn up for five more yards. 
if the ball is behind him, he has to stop and the defensive back can sort of catch up to him. So those are two plays we used to grade the same. And now uh, with the accuracy charting, we can sort of differentiate what we found was uh, gradations in accuracy, even on the on throws that were getting the same grade from us, were yielding significant differences in yards after the catch, expected points added, all those kinds of things. And so the need was there uh, for this accuracy charting. Very good. So specifically with Kirk Cousins, because this is locked on Vikings, uh, you know, going through the data, the thing that really jumps out to me is that all of the data that really just focuses in on ball placement and accuracy, just the question of like, did the quarterback put the ball where he wanted to put the ball? Kirk Cousins grades really highly in all of that, and all of his numbers look great. He looks like this quarterback that can hit a throw at any point in the field. So I just want to know a little bit more in detail about like, what sort of data brings us to that conclusion? Well, I think it's very similar to, you know, Sam Bradford, for example, right? So when we look at, um, you know, when we look at when Bradford decided to make the throws downfield, he threw one of the prettiest passes that in the Vikings have ever seen, right? Probably this side of like Warren Moon. But, you know, Cousins is the same way. That throw he made against Green Bay uh, to Adam Thielen, the, throws, the throw in opening day to Kyle Rudolph, uh, he's he he's capable of you know not only very very pretty passes but accurate passes and the, that decision to go downfield uh, is is where I think his issues are right the the decisiveness the uh, the moving from one read to another I I have no problem necessarily with his ability to hit balls deep you know and 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 so that's that's kind of like where I see if you're a Vikes fan and you come out of this unsatisfied. It's not necessarily because Kirk doesn't have arm talent. Uh, I think it's because of the other things. And you look at, for example, like, you know, just like how he does, you know, so the, the one the thing that I found the most interesting in just looking at Cousins data was that if you look at his time to throw to Laquan Treadwell was 2.34. His average is 2.51. So he's making decisions pre-snap usually to throw to Laquan Treadwell. Well, like, that's that's an interesting thing, right? Like he's never yeah, that would not would not necessarily be my first inclination pre-snap to do, right? Whereas you know the other guys, Thielen and Diggs, it's a little bit later, right? He, those are guys that he's a little bit more confident throwing to, even after the play has developed for a little bit. So, um, you know, I think the accuracy on Kirk is not really his issue necessarily. It's more kind of like the other stuff and and being able to go from one read to another, very similar to what we saw with 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 Sam in, in sixteen. That's really interesting with the stuff about the receivers, and, and maybe some of it is like Diggs and Thielen and just the extra window dressing that they put on their routes, and you know, like the extra like jukes and jabs and stuff just make it a little take a little longer for them to get to their spot, where a guy like Treadwell, who is not as advanced and is not doing as much to create separation, but at least he gets to his spot quicker, so the throw comes out a little bit quicker. It could be. I, I also think it's just that Treadwell, the, you know, Treadwell doesn't separate, and you know, uh, for him, you know, they're still, I don't know if it's necessarily explicit, but they're certainly trying to justify that pick by giving him targets and letting him shine a little bit. And ultimately like, you're going to probably have the most, like, I would say hollow success, just throwing the ball to him quick, you know, on slants and stuff like that, you know, short, you know, short patterns and everything like that. And I think, uh, with, whereas with Thielen and Diggs, like there's a chance that one of them is going to separate late in the route. Um, because they're pretty good or uh, probably, you know, especially with digs, 
there's a chance that he one of them's just going to make a contested catch, uh, if they, even if they don't separate. Whereas with Treadwell, I think none of those things can be assumed. So with contested catches, you know, like looking at the accuracy charting in the QB annual and the way that it's all laid out, you see this like picture of a receiver and then all these little spots on his body as like where the, the ball can be placed. Uh, and in the middle, there's that like accuracy plus, but sometimes the best throw isn't in the numbers. It's not in the middle because there's like a defender and you have to throw it away from the defender. So it's like that's something that you guys are taking into account. Yeah. So accurate plus includes uh, something called away from defender. So if you're running, um, you know, if you're it's like a back shoulder throw would be one of those. But also like I, I'm thinking of like Pat Mahomes's throw uh, in that final drive against New England where. You know, he threw across his body, but it went to the offensive side of the of the two players, you know, and and, and those throws are like I, those throws are in the accuracy plus bucket because, you know, not only are you, you know, giving your receiver a chance to catch the ball, but you're you're alleviating the opportunity for uh, a defensive back uh, to make that catch. And 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 that was like, I think, where Case Keenum was a little weaker, right? Obviously he like, you know, the, I think he had a high variance solid in his, in his, uh, uh, in his direction in 2017, because Diggs and Thielen were stealing passes from, from defensive backs. Um, and, you know, cousins didn't do terribly in terms of the accuracy plus he was 14th out of 35. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, I think he could even have tested those downfield plays even more. And I think that's probably what caused a little bit of the irritation near the end of the season, especially with Thielen, uh, knowing that, that that was one of their clear strengths and Cousins simply not, you know, testing it as much. Yeah, and I wonder if, like, Kevin Stefanski noticed the same thing, and maybe in 2019 he'll know to, like, push the ball a little bit more. Uh, but we have a ton more to talk about with Kirk Cousins and the QB annual and all of that, uh, but we do have to step away for an ad break, so we will see you in a minute. And we are back. So let's get right back into the Kirk Cousins stuff. And we just talked a whole bunch about how, like, his ball placement was very good on the season. He was, by and large, pretty good at getting the ball where he intended to get the ball. But the offense couldn't move. And by the end of the season, you know, the offense was like this putrid mess that that couldn't do anything. And it kind of tanked the whole 2018 year. So what can we look at with this data that tells us that like explains that, right? How does a quarterback who can put the ball anywhere he wants to still be unable to actually move the offense down the field? Yeah, I mean, one of the more stable metrics a quarterback has is their time to throw. Uh, and with cousins, that's very, very, you know, similar, you know, 2017 and 2018, he was 58 and 57%, uh, successively on, you know, attempts in two or two and a half seconds or less. However, his expected points added on quick throws, throws of 2.5 seconds or less was negative. And that was the first time in his career since 2013 that that's been the case. Um, you know, his accuracy was pretty high, right? So 82.4. In terms of you take out drops, you take out batted passes and stuff like that. But his yards per attempt was down by a yard. You look at that and, you know, you know, I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins fan in the world, but I look at that and I think that's some scheme issues, right? That's stuff that Shermer schemed up for Case, right? Where you like Case like looked like he pants the defense like once or twice a game with passes to McKinnon, passes to David Morgan, you know, guys like that that were just gimmies. Uh, from a scheme perspective here, you look at Kirk, he's being accurate on those throws, but they're just not generating a lot of value. And I think a lot of that probably has to fall on the shoulders of John D. Filippo, um, you know, in terms of the, you know, what he was trying to to put into the offense. I think if you come back, 
you know, Kirk in 2017, he averaged almost 0.1 expected points. In 2016, he was 0.2. So, you know, his first two years in Washington, he was very much, uh, you know, benefiting from those quicker passes that I think are scheme related, right? Rooted in those years. So like those are what? offensive minds. Exactly. Whereas like, you know, and so to me, I think that's big. Like his first read, he's often, you know, hitting, you know, completing passes. He's often doing okay, but they're the off the receivers are not in a position to 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 uh, you know capitalize on those things. I think part of it is the Vikings do not have an athletic tight end. They have a tight end who's a good solid player, but he's not like a Jordan Reed or, or Vernon Davis type. And then you know they really really did not use the running backs out of the backfield as effectively as they could have uh, you know in 2018. So Stefanski's probably got to be looking at that. You know uh, Gary Kubiak's probably got to be looking at that. And, and I think that they'll probably improve in that area. And, and, you know, and, and Kirk seems like a capable quarterback in those situations as the, you know, the first read uh, type metrics would, would suggest. Yeah. You can really see that pattern where like every time the play goes according to plan, it's like not very valuable or it's not good enough, which is this huge indictment of John Filippo and the scheme. And like earlier, like when I first took over this podcast, I caped really hard for John Filippo and this, is one of those things that can like show me just how wrong I was about that. Well, and the thing, the thing about it is, is I don't think, you know, obviously he, he bears some pro, you know, some uh, blame, but at the same time, like when you sign a quarterback to the deal that cousins was signed to, you know, the, the assumption going in is you can run a straight up offense because he's going to be of that caliber and I think what the, the Stefanskis and the Kubiaks have to do in 2019 is say, listen, I don't care what he's paid. We have to treat him like a Dalton. We have to treat him like a Derek Carr. We have to treat him like a guy who can be very good if I limit what he's asked to do, if I, if I uh, enhance what is asked to do by the supporting cast. And if that's the case, I think, you know, we could be – so I, I, I don't think D. Filippo did a great job, but I think he – I think the expectations of him – were probably lower than they should have been in terms of like, okay, let's scheme up something that Kirk Cousins can be successful. And I think the assumption was that given his price tag, given his reputation, he was going to be successful no matter what. And I just think that that was foolhardy. Yeah. And there's like definitely a way to be successful with Kirk Cousins where you like push the ball down the field a lot and you make it so that the first read is the most often open read because like he can execute the first read all the time. You just have to make it so that that very common situation is valuable. And and play action was another one where I, where he was deadly in Washington and they simply did not, it, it simply was not a big part uh, of what they did, uh, you know, in 2018. All right. So we have a little bit of time left. So I want to ask you with the whole of this QB annual and like for each quarterback, there's so much data. There's the accuracy stuff we've talked about. There's breakdowns of like when it was the first read or the second read, the breakdowns of which route breakdowns of like where on the field and to which receiver and all that. So there's like all kinds of data to pour through. So my question to you is like outside of what we've already talked about, what other stuff can we look at and kind of say, okay, this describes Kirk Cousins and the season that he had. Yeah. So early on in page eight or so, I go through and talk about what's stable for a quarterback. And I think if you read that, you get a pretty decent idea that how a quarterback does when clean, how he does when not having play action, how he does on quick throws. Those are, that's the quarterback. 
And if you want to explain 2013 Josh McCown, 2015 Carson Palmer, those type, that's where like they have these huge unstable uh, you know, pass ratings under pressure, or they have a year where they run 35% play action and he just crushes in that situation. And so when you're looking at QBs and Kirk, especially, you know, you go to the page, look at how his grade or how his passer rating or what, whatever metric you like, look at how that, how that evolves when he's clean. Okay. So Kirk here is 22nd out of 35 in terms of grade from a clean pocket. He's 13th in grade under pressure. There's a far better chance that he's going to be between, let's say 18 and 26 grade from a clean pocket then he's going to be between 8 and 16 or 8 and 17 from pressure. So the pressure stuff varies wildly. The grade from a clean pocket does not. The, the next one to look at is the negatively graded throw rate. And so this is going to be a thing where Kirk does really well. He's third in limiting negatively graded throws. He's only behind Drew Brees and Pat Mahomes. That's, the most, that's one of the most stable statistics for a quarterback. So if you look at that and say, okay, well, what are some reasons this guy was poor this year? You're, it's concerning when he's poor in the stable stuff. It's less concerning when he's poor from the the other, you know, the the random stuff. And that was what, you know, uh, that's always where I look. If I'm looking at saying, ah, gosh, I want to take a quarterback for fantasy that no one thinks is good, but I think is good. I'm going to look at the guys who struggled under pressure. I'm going to look at the guys who didn't have a ton of play action attempts the year before. I'm going to look at guys who limit negatively graded throws and maybe stunk at positively graded throws. Kirk was 31st out of 35 in positively graded throws. So like there are some metrics that point to cousins probably improving next year. There are some that are a little troubling, but uh, I don't think he's necessarily a bottom 10 QB in the league, but I, but I, and so even though that's his grade from a clean pocket, I think he's probably more like 14th, 15th. And so, you know, I think some of the metrics suggest he can go that, that way. So if you're Stefanski or Kubiak and you're, you know, you're drawing up the broad strokes plan for 2019 for how to fix the offense, um, like what do you do? You know, we got, we talked about play action. We talked about pushing the ball deep. Is that all there is to it? Like, are we just turning this guy into Jared Goff or is there like some other secret that we can use to like unlock the power of Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I think that that's huge. And I, you know, um, I would say running passes to the running back. Um, I would, would really help. I think I, Matt, our friend, Matthew callers really, you know, hit, hit on this. And I think it's, I think it's perfect. Um, finding secondary receivers that are, that are versatile and that, uh, and that can make plays, right? So you look at, you know, Kansas city, for example, they obviously have Hill and they have Kelsey, but when new England shuts those two guys down, Sammy Watkins breaks their back for 115 yards, right? Just out of nowhere. The chiefs went out of their way to get that guy, even though it looked like they had a surplus at that position. You look at the history of the Vikings. They had Jake Reed and Chris Carter. They get Moss as the best player in the draft. And obviously you get an outlier situation like that. So the difficulty is that it's tough to find tight ends who are athletic. There are some good ones in the draft, but they don't always work out and they struggle usually as young players. But there are some receivers that they can go out and get the Golden Tates of the world. Um, and I and I think, you know, I think somebody like that to come in two people like that, you know, maybe one that's a bigger bodied guy, maybe one that's a shiftier after the catch kind of guy. I think the Vikings really need to put, you know, weapons around uh, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. And then, frankly, they just need to target Thielen and Diggs more. It all makes sense. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. A lot of fun. And that is going to do it for this show. So thank you guys for listening. 
Uh, remember to vote in the pain bracket. I will see you all tomorrow. We'll break down whatever other news comes in, maybe go into some of the stuff that happened over the weekend in a little more depth as well, if we can. Uh, but until next time, my name is Luke Braun. You can find me at Luke Braun NFL. Uh, you can find the show at Locked on Vikings. Thank you guys so much for listening and skull.